All right, guys, welcome again. It's Tony the Kid. Uh, another special episode of Reject Rundown. We're jumping into the dark side of the ring. Kind of finished off with the Elizabeth and Macho Man story last time. Uh, we are talking about today the Montreal Screwjob. Of course, we have SG3 on there, Uncle Lisp. Say hi, both guys. All right, guys, it's me, it's me, it's SG3. <laughs> I let him always go first. He messes it up. You don't know by now you first, big man. Jeez. Oh, I messed it up. Well, well, Uncle Lisp, we're jumping into the Montreal Screwjob, something that you personally know for a fact that was jacked up, you can say, about your, your favorite, one of your favorite wrestlers. Um, of course, if you guys wrestling fans don't know, Montreal Screwjob happened because of the whole uh, Bret Hart moving to WCW. Vince McMahon definitely did something that probably could never be done again. And if it does, it's going to be crazy. So I think, I don't think, yeah, we, we're good. I think as far as uh you know when it comes to when it comes to the actual story of the Montreal screw job, it's definitely one of sports sports entertainments like top story of a like an actual surreal negative incident that happened that can it's, it's unfathomable that it happened in the first place um definitely it was a, a story where Bearhart you know, WCW was on on a rampage of signing great wrestlers, trying to get paying millions of dollars to these wrestlers, um, definitely getting everybody over from WWF, and knowing that Vince cannot kind of you could say counteract on it. But what it was is that Vince definitely did not didn't like the story of Bret Hart and where he was going. I think he kind of said, you know what because of your personality and where I want to go in my industry, there's no room for you, Brett. We cannot can keep you here, and it's it's not going to work. You're going to have a lot of negative stuff that's going to happen in the next some odd years, and I don't think you're going to be involved in it. And it went crazy. Go ahead, SG3. I hate to do this to my, to my co-anchor, and I hate to do this to my, to my guy. Love you though. So, from what I remember from the docu series, Vince actually paid Brett, and he said, "I'm gonna give you 1.5 mil." Well, but they'll do the ratings and due to venues and sales. He, as um, Brother Love said, we weren't making them much money in order to pay Brett by himself. Yeah. So that's when. And I feel that this was also a mistake by McMahon. McMahon should have said, look, dude, I can't pay you everything right now, but how about we restructure your contract, let's get the business back up and running, and then we could have a different conversation, a contract with clause and payment-wise and everything. Yeah. Because I feel that at this point, with the whole thing that, you know, you got offered 1.5 by WWF or WWE. Yeah. But WCW was offering you what? Two, three? Yeah, less than that. Definitely less. No, they were offering you more. W- <laughs> WCW was offering more. WCW, yeah, they offered more. And I feel that though the main reason why, because he was champion. He's like, look, man, I'm champion here. 
mm-hmm. I'm good. But then when McMahon had the conversation with him, I'm like, look, dude, I can't pay you. That's when Brett was like, look, dude, then I'm taking my time to somewhere else. If you can't pay me and you want me to kind of get out the door, then cool, I will. Because I'm going to go over here where Bishop was paying more. Well, that, see, I think there's there's two sides of that story. I feel like we've we've kind of known the story of he couldn't pay him enough and couldn't keep up with the contract that they promised in the beginning. And that's why Brett ended up jumping ship because of the whole money aspect. But if you yeah. if you listen to Brett's story and his explanation on it was he could have settled for anything. What he wanted was a commitment from Vince and the actual like a a set plan of where do you want my character to be in this new storyline that you are planning for this industry. And I don't think Vince was. I think that's where we. I, what I got out of it was Vince just didn't like the I I guess he had a different aspect of his character and he knew that Bret Hart was not going to be happy about it. So for Vince like being Vince of knowing this person and saying, "Look, man, I'm definitely I I you know, you're getting you're getting honored by this amount of money from WCW. I feel personally it's best to take this offer because what I have been stored, you're not going to Excuse me. You're not going to be happy. It's going to be a lot of riffraff here. And I want you to be happy. I want you to be successful. I want you to be have that amount of money that they're promising you because I can't pay you that right now. But you got, I can't, you know, you you got to go. I feel like he took that, took this opportunity to kind of say, Brett, I, you can go. Feel free to go right ahead and let him go. I, I think that's what I got out of the docuseries was he needed to, he was kind of letting him go and be happy for himself and for his family. I think that's where one thing he was helping him out with. The whole Montreal screw drop aspect of it was, I don't want you, I, he feels like he was going to be portrayed because of that, because that talk happened before. And I felt Vince was going to be portrayed on the aspect of him not giving the title away and not giving it back to Vince and probably taking it to WCW as of, uh, kind of like a, a stab in the back to Vince saying, since you didn't pay me right and you're letting me go and you're stupid enough to do so, I got your belt. What are you going to do to get it back? And that would have been a whole smack in the face to Vince, especially on live TV and especially in the news and the whole sports world would have been talking about it. And I think at that time, Vince did not want to be, he did not want that happen to him. He didn't want to get slapped again. That's what happened. Yeah. Because Sonya Blazer, Sonya Blazer, whatever, uh, Sonya, Sonya, whatever, you know her name. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Liz. No, Medusa, let's just call her that. Yeah, Medusa, whatever. Her name is uh, Alondra Blaze. There you go, Alondra Blaze. Thank you. That's her name. Alondra Blaze, when she left with the title, she went to WCW literally in front of the camera, took Dropped it right into the trash can. So Perfect. I feel like since that happened once, he's like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, not going to happen. Exactly. And I agree. That's I say perfect issue, dude. That's a perfect aspect of it because that right there, I totally forgot that that's what she did on WCW. I did not I not think about that. But that is perfect because that right there shows to me that that was one thing that he was having back in his mind that even though he had this tight relationship with Brett, 
it just he just he personally did not want that happening at all whatsoever. And I feel like that was one thing that he needed to needed to do for himself and for his company for him not to look stupid like that again. Yep. 100%. But, but I mean, I don't know, it was a it, it was crazy. It just um Honestly, man, at this point, the only thing you can just say to yourself is, who was in on it, who knew about it, Mm -hmm. and how did they feel about it? Because it sounded like Brett knew about the screw, that the screw job was coming. He felt something was coming. And and when you you listen to what uh, Scott Hall was talking about it, and he's watching everything kind of happen and how it played out with the screw job was, oh, you see his face and you see that, you know, he, like... Scott Hall's like, you cannot go through it and not know that this was going to happen to you. Like, he feels like it, everyone was involved. Like, even Brett himself, to where it was a, like, come on now. And then he does the whole thing. But I don't think Brett was involved in the aspect of having a screw job happen to him. Because, personally, I don't think he would never let that happen. But I felt like... um that he felt something was coming, like you said, SG three, like something was gonna happen. At especially the way how everything kind of played out in his mind when Sean goes and shakes his hand or something like that before the match that never he never done before at all whatsoever. And even at the end when they're changing, he's like, "See, you had to know something. Something was up." And, and this is what I feel. I feel that Sean knew because. When you have the boss come up to you and say, hey, you're going to finish this match by applying his move on him. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Like, you ask yourself what's going on. Yep. As, as an employee, you ask yourself, dude, what what is that going on? Right. That's number one. Number two, you have that, like that, um, like basically like he said, I went to, to the referee. And if you think about it, dude, the main reason why it was a Montreal screw job, not just because of what happened, but because Brett himself said, I trusted Hebner. Mm-hmm. I trusted that ref with everything in my career. Yep. That's one. Two, he went to Hebner and told him, dude, if you feel anything's going to happen to me, please stop it. Don't let it go through. Yep. Hebner said, I called for the bell because if I didn't, McMahon was. Yep. Either way, either way, that bell was going to get wrong, no matter what. Yeah. So I feel that Hebner was a man under pressure, and he said, I, I have no choice. Yeah. Because you're getting screwed regardless, and I can't stop it. Yep. So that was one. Um, I feel that, though, that Hebner was never the same guy after that. Hebner, if you, if you see some matches that he had after that, even like anybody at, at ringside, he wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. Um. So it looks like it affected more than just Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and what you to add to your point, to what Scott Hall said, he wasn't on it because he didn't act. Like, yeah, it took him a while. To, I, I here's what I feel. I feel like he, number one, he wasn't on it because well, you know, he's asking Hebner, "Hey, don't let this happen to me. If you feel like something's gonna happen, let me know. I will we'll, we'll figure something out." That's one. Yeah. Two though, I also feel that he wasn't fully in on it because. It took him like a, like like a millisecond, like actually, excuse me, it took him 
about five seconds to realize I just got screwed. Yes. I think especially when he saw, I think one thing that he inputs on it in this story was I saw, you know, yeah, I knew that he was going to put his, my move on, uh, like my own move on myself, of course. But when I, when he had looked at ringside as he was turning his head to, you know, try to go for the ropes or what have you, as soon as he saw Vince, that right there in his mind, it threw him off. Like, why would he be there in the ring? That was never part of the story or anything about what's going to happen in the match. Why would you be there? And then as soon as that bell rings, and not even at that, I think that was when he was going back to go to do the reversal, supposedly. And then when he yeah. gets the reversal, he was hearing the bell. He was hearing the bell ring. And for him to be like, oh, oh, okay, so this is what's happening right now. Wow. Well, if, you, if you think about it, he doesn't hear the bell. Yeah, okay. Like, if you look at the footage of that match, he doesn't hear the bell because he actually knocks him down. It's when they finally play the song. Yeah. That's when he's like, oh, so this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Because when he signed again for the 1.5 million, he got creative control, which meant you could do whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. You can end the match where you wanted. You wanted to drop the, you wanted to drop the title that night. You could have dropped the title if you wanted to. But he himself said, Michaels was to give me the respect that I needed just as a human. Right. So, no, I'm not dropping it to you. Sorry. And that's where he said, you know what? Just because I don't feel like he's respecting me as a human, I don't want to drop the title to him. Yep. So, I'll beat him. I'll even lose a disqualification. I don't care. And the next night, I know what? I'm done with you guys. You guys as fan base. You guys as you support him better than me. Screw you guys. I'm going back to Calvary. Yeah. And then, you know, just at the end, what he did, you know. Exactly. Exactly. That kind of was like. The nail in the coffin for everything to happen. Yeah. And that's why, again, like I said, I, I feel like. If you think about it, there was one thing he also said, and I, I never caught it, man. I've seen that match multiple times, but I've never paid attention to it. He said Sean was going to do the move wrong. I fixed myself. Yeah. And then he applied it correctly. Right. But he didn't step through correctly. He didn't do it. He had my legs incorrectly. And as you see it before, like the camera flips angles like to the back. Or excuse me, to the side of it. That mm-hmm. way you can see like the, the move actually being placed. Yep. Hart switches his legs and you, and you finally see it. Like, yeah. If you, if you pay attention, you see Hart like, hey, like this one's supposed to go like this. Like, right. You know, my, my right leg's supposed to go over and then you can do it. Yeah. So that's where I feel that, you know, um, that's why like, I feel that, yeah, he wasn't on it. Like he, he was in on, on a different kind of screw job, if that makes sense. Uh, I, this is what I this is what I feel that Hart had in his head the whole entire time. Uh huh. Hebner has my back. Yep. Hebner won't let them screw me. This guy's gonna apply my finisher. He's going to accomplish it. I'm not gonna give up because, of course, I'm not gonna give up to my own to my own move. More special, me. right? But I also feel that he he said, you know what? I'm covered on all bases. Hart looked at it as like, I'm covered on all bases. I have nothing more to worry about. I'm good. Yeah. And I feel that, though, when when he got the move and then they rang the bell, that's when he said, oh, 
So you screwed me. Yeah. So that so that's what I'm coming part of it. Instead of him being part of it, probably he was just aware that it was going to happen. Somebody might have told him, hey, you know what? This might happen to you today. Well, he kind of got the, the, like, the gist of it like about a week before. And that's what he was basically stating. It was that he knew, like, he kind of figured it out a week before. And that's why when, like, when they were on the plane going to, the, going, to the, uh, going to Montreal, he said, hey, like, Hebner, don't, don't let anything happen to me, man. Like, I'm trying to go out with the bank. And I feel that this is what I feel. I feel that he wanted to go back to the company. I feel that he wanted to go to WCW, collect his money, because, you know, hey, you got to get paid, man. You have, a, you have a lifestyle, you have a family. Dude, I, I get it. But at the end of the day, though, like, he was, he was going to say, hey, I know this company is going to bounce back because it's Vince. Mm-hmm. How? I don't know, but they're going to bounce back. Mm-hmm. So I feel that when they bounce back, he was going to personally call Vince and tell him, hey, dude, you got your company back. You think you can still pay me my 1.5? Miss probably could have sweetened the deal. Hey, 3.54. Cool, I'm back. Bret Hart leaves WCW, comes back to WWE, WWF, does what he has to do, and retires there completely instead of how he retired in WCW. Yeah, I think that would have been such a, a impactful thing on Bret Hart's story, like just more or less of what happening to him um, leaving. But then if it would have ended a different way with him leaving – Besides this Montreal screw job, like actually, you're right. He could have signed, definitely signed off with WCW for the time being, just because that's the money, that's where it's at, that's where I can, you know, support my family right now. Um, and then once things start settling down, if WWE is going back up again and they're winning the wars again, if I'm available to jump back over to WWE where I put my 14 years of life, blood, sweat, and tears in this industry, and they're allowing me to come back like that. I'm open with arms wide open going in for a big hug with them. And the impact he would have had coming back, I felt like would have been such a a freaking monumental thing of one of the biggest returns for a wrestler ever. That would have been one for a fact. That would have been a pop. It was a huge pop. The moment you heard that, everyone goes crazy. Everyone Mm -hmm. loses their mind. Uncle Lisp over there probably wouldn't have lost his mind. He would have done like a little mini RJ. I myself, I would have done one of those. I was like, you know, almost nine, ten when he probably when he came back. I was like, oh my goodness, he's back. I mean, hearing the music, hearing the music when he finally actually did come back years later, um, before his Hall of Fame thing. But I think when we heard that, when the, I no lie, when I first saw it and I heard that music, him coming out, ecstatic. I was ecstatic. And to imagine if that would have happened before with everything, oh my lord. Oh my oh my Atlanta. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Uncle Liz. Why not Hart could have came back? I think by WrestleMania 18 would have been a good time for Hart to be around WWE. What would what was happening in WrestleMania 18? It was in Toronto, Canada. Oh, okay. You had Rock against uh, Hulk Hogan. You had uh, Stone Cold against Stone Hall. Yeah. You had uh, Triple H against Jericho. So imagine if it would have been Stone Cold against Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and Hart was Stone Cold's partner in that match. Could have been some. Or even at that, for Hart coming back, 
Bret Hart coming back at that time frame, and instead of Stone Cold working with Scott Hall, which he even even Stone Cold was not really happy about, I think at that aspect he probably would have been more happy working with Bret Hart in the match at WrestleMania he on a singles match, and then having something like that. I think he would have been way more ecstatic on that than definitely working with Scott Hall at that time frame. And I don't feel like the rivalry was settled. Me neither. No lie. I I think that's one of the rivalries that did not have an official ending was between Stone Cold and Bret Hart. I think that would have been a nice, a nice continuation with it and to keep the keep the momentum going, especially at that time frame where Stone Cold really was more or less used to do promos and exactly on a decline and everything. If he would have been partnered back up with Bret Hart, that thing that would have catapulted more of their their wrestling just because they're familiar with each other in the ring, they respect each other in the ring, they're comfortable with each other in the ring, and they trust each other of knowing that their story is gonna, you know, that one I'm gonna he's gonna pop here this day, he's gonna pop there in one day, you know, and we're gonna be successful together. I think that that right there would have been a great trust between those two. And I think that would have actually imagine that with the Hogan and Rock match, how who would have actually gone off and stole the, you know, the show? Stone Cold Bret Hart. That's for a fact. Yeah, I'm the same I have a question. I think because Bret Hart and Stone Cold know how to like put on a match with each other. Look what they did with the WrestleMania 13 and Bret Hart. I mean, Stone Cold was just uh, coming up at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. That was even that was a technical match, and I never really and knowing back then like Stone Cold, I never really saw him as a technical, excuse me, a wrestler. But him working with Bret Hart, you can see the technician in him, um, and how actually great of a wrestler he was, just being technical about it. And it, they really made each other shine when it came to wrestling. You really saw an actual wrestling match. He Bret Hart, I felt like at that time frame in his prime, working with these other wrestlers. There was never a dull match between Bret Hart. He knew how to sell the match. He knew how to sell the moves. He knew how to like handle the storyline within the match itself, and how to make you know make us fans either shout, go ooh, or in the eyes. He knew how to work that system. And this is also what I, I feel. Yeah, go ahead, man. No, no, I'll let, I'll let you because I still gotta rethink what I was gonna say. This man. <laughs> Take take another one, dude. Go ahead. Take another one. (laughs) So what I (laughs) here's what I feel. I feel that just not just focusing on the WrestleMania. We're rumble the year after. Austin is dominating. Austin is taking everybody out. Austin is just manhandling everybody. He sits on the top corner. Who's next? You know, he's calling everybody out, and then you hear the iconic guitar. The first thing Austin does. Like I'm in trouble now. Mm-hmm. So that's why I feel like, you know what? Austin could have gone one more heel run. One more like, hey, you know what? I'm Austin. Just before the whole, you know, um, ECW, WCW, sorry. One more heel run. Up. You know what? Screw everybody. And you know what? You could have started off in Canada. Screw Canada. Screw yeah. this. Screw that. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever. You run and you run your mouth. Yeah. And then... You know, you beat up a couple Canadian-born people. Right. And then out of the blue, the last guy says, you know what, Bret Hart's coming back. Yeah. 
or Brett's back or whatever, just something. Right. And then, boom, WrestleMania 18, Austin versus Brett, the Hitman Hard, one more time, let them do shit out. You make a big old promo package, and boom, skyrockets through the roof. Best pay-per-view ever. Literally, everyone's on their feet. You have grown men crying, kids crying. Like, it goes beyond anything. Us as fans, I can see your emotion already. Mm-hmm. Uncle Liz, I, I think I see emotion. <laughs> <laughs> No, I agree. I think that would be main event right there. Or not main event, at least second, at least the match before the main event, because I think main event for that one was who? Oh, the place in yeah. For the undisputed, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that would have stayed. I would that would have stayed for sure in the main event, and then Stone Cold it. At that, it just, oh, it, <laughs> it, it could, it just. It just, it's, I feel bad. What I feel more so in Bret Hart's story is, and how it pretty much all came to the end. Like, it sucked that he had to go through this Montreal screw job because no matter what, that really affected his, his confidence. Career. Yeah. His career, his confidence in the ring, his confidence in trusting people that work with him in the ring. Um, even outside, like, I know for a fact his circle of trust must have been squashed especially after that happening and i feel like that sucked really um for his career and i felt that was that's the one wrestler that i feel never really you know got the opportunities to to revamp his career when it needed to needed the most when all this kind of ended here's what i feel i feel that he didn't end his career on on a high note if you're going to end your career on WCW with your with your abs, you know, taped up, and you're going to sit there and say, hey, piss off, I quit. Yeah. And as a young fan, this could have been my, my first year watching wrestling. First month, first, second month, whatever. But I'm a new fan to this. And the first image I see is this guy shouting, hey, piss off, I quit. Doesn't do you justice, man. Right. Um, I feel that... that that the whole thing affected his affected his career because he never got the proper send off. Yep. Like you see a guy like Ric Flair, hey, he got that send off. Yeah, he left losing, but he got the send off properly, you know, properly. Between Michael, him and Shawn Michaels, you're talking about. Yeah, but I'm talking about both of them. Flair losing to Michaels, Michaels losing to the Undertaker. Yeah. So and- I feel like those people <clears throat> needed that like that last like career match. And for you guys, and for and for WWE later on in the years to say, well, we're going to have the final match, McMahon versus Bret Hart. No, ain't cutting. I can see that like as as the last career match because hey, Bret Hart goes out on the win, but the way they fully set it up, I didn't like it. Me neither. I felt like that he at that point in his career, you when he came back to WWE, when you saw him. Uh, it, it it was sad because you can tell he was his body was done. You can tell that he just you know how it, it like how much impact on 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 him himself. Like he looked old. He really looked in bad shape. Like he was husky a little bit. Like when you took off his jacket and you really saw him, bad shape. You know I think for for him to have an actual match at that point in his career. I don't think he was athletically ready to do so. 
and even that mentally to do so for for his final send off. And I think he of like of all wrestlers, like you guys were talking about, what Shawn Michaels having his final send off, Ric Flair, even Stone Cold with the last the Rock ranch that he had was a final good send off. Um, as far as his actual in ring wrestling stuff, huh? And that was a good match itself too. Exactly, that was a good send off match. That was a good send off match for him. And you know, as far as I think, the one people that we need to see thus far that's still wrestling at the moment is a, a definitely The Rock. He needs a final send off match. Um, Undertaker. Undertaker for a fact, Jack. Uh, Kane's um, Triple H. When the Kane had his, because he's still wrestling now. He's back in there. He's, he is. He's doing like he's kind of like Big Show coming in, doing the could like one or two, you know, in the SmackDown tag match or whatever, and then you you don't see him again. Like he was just he did the twenty twenty four seven. Okay. So well, he did it as, as Glenn Jacobs. So I mean, it's different. Yeah. So it's. It's something where I think um, it just kind of sucked. It just sucked. His story, his end of his career, wrestling career, I, I, I feel it sucked. And I feel bad for him just because of what what happened. I think he, he of all wrestlers, deserves, deserved, I would say, I'm sorry, that final send-off match, that final hurrah, that just that proper ending to a great career that he had in the ring. He's... He, I never realized what type of wrestler he was before, especially you, Uncle Liz, like talking about him a lot. I never really paid attention to his type of style of wrestling until watching his matches with these wrestlers. I knew the one that he had with Stone Cold when the whole um, Stone, Gold, Stone Cold going unconscious after bleeding. Like I knew that one, of course. That was an impact in my brain on it. Um, but other than that, I didn't know his line of work and he really put in great work as a wrestler he was the type of wrestler that i think i if i watched him growing up i think i would have really loved just because that's the type of wrestling that is missing to t- today a believable wrestler the hitting the the storyline within the ring a, a nice dull non type of match was his style that would have been me kurt angles he's one guy that would have loved to see in the ring with i mean we both can when we play wrestling when we have our wrestling matches on the xboxes or whatever you can kind we always put these matches bret hart kurt angle chris benoit who we we talk we'll talk about later of course but he's in the name even uh even brock lesnar when he had the matches with kurt angle those weren't dull matches that he was having those were actual physical matches um Chris Jericho, Eddie Guerrero, um, just Shawn Michaels, like that. It's it's very very surreal, and you don't get those type of wrestlers to come in often. And when you do, they are respected. And I feel like that was one thing that what was missing with Bret Hart towards the end. Definitely. Oh man. Ah, see, told you that was. You're right. Actually, that was. This deserved its own episode oh. just because it was. It's crazy. It's. It's. Oh man, something surreal. 
All right, guys. Well, um, I know we don't do this one, but at anything else you guys want to add? <laughs> no, I'm, I, that for me myself, I got what I needed. Like it just, you know, wish, to say. yeah, we could. I wish we could have saw something more out of them. Same thing here, man. With Anthony asking, uh, one thing about Anthony's um, thing that he said is true. Is if he did have a proper send off, who would be the wrestler to retire Bret Hart? Stone Cold. At that time, at that time of the wrestlers that were involved, Stone Cold. I mean, even you you could have probably Shawn Michaels or even Kurt Angle. Yeah, you could have had a good. See, that's the thing. You could have had a good mixture of. It depends on. It really depended on Brett himself on who he respected and trusted in the ring. So I think he probably could have gone with a Shawn Michaels if they would have hashed things out. But even at that, I don't think Shawn Michaels was even mentally ready when he came back to kind of take care of all that. I think he was still, Shawn himself was still on the proper steps for himself and his family to kind of better his life at that point. So I think it was going there. But definitely Stone Cold would have been in the mix. Kurt Angle probably would have been in the mix. Even, I think at that point, if if I'm not mistaken, Brett, Brett, Chris Benoit was not, you know, at that point of going downhill, even Chris Benoit could have had a final match with him. Being that he he came from the lines then. Or the person he respected the most, Undertaker. Oh, oh yeah. Even that too. Or, or you could have done one more. The Rock. The Rock did use a sharpshooter. That, oh, that's mm. true. Let's see. You see, we could... So many oh amazing matches that could have happened that never happened. Wrestling, like if he came back, we'll do a what if episode on that later on. I'm down with that. Me too, because let's just put it out this way. I want to kind of put this in there. He, of all wrestlers that we've seen throughout our years, he can go down as the one wrestler that you can put him in any freaking match. And that is a match that we all will be excited to see, no matter what. I feel like he's the only one that you could put in the match to be safe to say that that match is going to be one of the top five matches of that night. Only thing I have to say is yeah. the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be to lace up a pair of boots. Definitely agree with that. That is a proper slogan for his his career. Proper. All right, well, that ends this episode of uh, Reject Rundown. That was one, that was the final first season of The Dark Side of the Ring. The next episode we're going to jump into, guys, for sure is going to be about the two-part Chris Benoit series. That for sure is one that we're going to have another big major talk about. So, I'm ready for it, man. <laughs> all, right. all right, guys. Well, that's been one. All right, guys. Me, Sachi's me. Y'all have a good night. Peace. Cash